0: Hello and welcome to the Help on the Way podcast, where we'll be featuring June 24th, 1984, where the Grateful Dead played the Saratoga Performing Arts Center in Saratoga, New York. That's right, Spock. It was a Sunday show. Um, Today, I am here with Nob. Nob, say hello to everybody. Hello to everybody. (laughs) And uh, as everyone will notice, the co-host who typically does the moderating is not here today. Uh, we are recording on President's Day. And um, game is, is out doing President's Day things, probably taking advantage of all those President's Day shopping deals. So we have decided to press on and talk about our weekly show, which is, once again, June twenty fourth, 1984. And before we get into the weekly show, there are a couple um, news matters that we want to get to in our Channel 6 news um, uh, segment. And the first thing that we want to bring up is that Nob saw some shows. Nob, why don't you tell the audience about the, the shows that you've seen?
1: Yes, I saw The Friends of Jerry uh, this past week. They're, uh, they're Phillies premier new dead cover band. The newest I, uh, of the I new never, ones. Yeah, I, they, I think they're less than a year old at this point, or, or at least gigging-wise. And I had never seen them, but all of my Philly Deadhead friends go nuts over them, and kept being like, "No, you gotta come see Friends of Jerry." And it just never worked out for me scheduling-wise. But I finally got to see them, and I get it. They're still new, <laughs> you know. The band is obviously going to get better, in that all bands are gonna get a little bit better as you know, when they're out of their first year of playing. But I was impressed. There were some really stellar jams. Uh, they had. A really good drummer, and that, to me, and I've probably said this before, but I think it's probably true of most types of rock music, but jam bands especially live and die by the drummer. If the drummer is into it and is able to not only follow the jam, but introduce new ideas to change the texture of the jam as it keeps going, you're in for a treat. And this was a drummer that I was absolutely impressed with, uh being on top of things during the composed or, or more structured parts. But then mm-hmm. once they let loose, you know, sometimes he was listening and just reacting. And sometimes he was being an active participant. And it was just really cool to hear.
0: Nice. Yeah, I, it's interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting viewpoint. I would think what separates jam bands or what makes jam band works is the virtuosic guitarist. Yeah. Um, now, I play bass, so, and I don't, you know, pretend to be a virtuosic bassist. I don't think you need a Phil Lesh style bassist. I think you could get no. away with, you know, someone who can kind of just keep the rhythm and, and you know, kind of, um, you know, do the managing between the rhythm and the the melody sections. But to me, it really comes down to someone who can just read. But maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe that's why my band uh, <laughs> doesn't play great Grateful Dead songs. Um, you, it, but they are team. hard. I, God.
1: I agree with you that a virtuosic guitarist is absolutely part of it, um, Yeah. but I think what separates, I, I, at the very least, I think most jam bands have a really good guitarist just from the jump, and or at least the ones that we wind up hearing about, uh, yeah, and I true. think what separates even just on-nights from off-nights with these bands, in my opinion, tends to be how on the drummer is. Cool.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like a cool show. Um, do you want to talk about uh, Bob Weir's show with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra? Sure.
1: I wasn't there, but I've listened to some of oh, it. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. Bob Weir played with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra this past uh, weekend, similar to his National Symphony Orchestra shows last fall. Um, it was a really fun time. I, these shows were shorter, but the trade-off, in my opinion, was worth it because I think they were tighter. There were fewer songs that the orchestra did, and it was only three nights with no repeats. So again, you don't get, you know, full length, grateful dead shows, but you got some really phenomenal playing out of it. I really hope. And if Bob Weir or someone on his team is listening to this podcast as as we know, they often do, um, (laughs) please release this as an album of sorts. People want it and people would buy it. Uh, I think it's really cool.
0: Yeah. Wait. So I, I agree with you. I think that, and that's probably what they are doing because these weren't streamed for you know no. nugs or anything. So h- how were you hearing, like Mixler, or how did you get you know yeah. your ears I heard, onto it?
1: Yeah, I heard some audience tapes through the Mixler. Okay. You're, that's the thing is the soundboard hasn't even the National Symphony Orchestra shows they haven't released the soundboards for. So I have a feeling that the only way we're gonna get to hear soundboards from these shows is an official release, and uh, I've got fingers crossed. But again, these are orchestra shows, so for the yeah. most part, the audience tapes sound really good. You don't get as many chompers or loud woos throughout the show.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a different crowd that goes to these shows. Yes, um, but definitely. what do you think of orchestra shows in general? And I'll, I've never said this on the podcast, but a little bit of uh, personal um, fig musical history is that the first concert I ever saw, besides Weird Al, (laughs) was Roger Daltrey and the London Symphony Orchestra. So these have you know a place in my heart. I don't think it's the biggest place in my heart. But I'm just curious what your your thoughts are when these classic rockers go out there and try to do something with uh, orchestras.
1: And this is going to be a little bit of a cop-out answer, but I like it when it's good, and I don't like it when it's bad. Like, I, I think when it works, it's really cool and I understand why these musicians go for this grandiose, larger-than-life version of these right. songs. At the same time, there are some bands that it doesn't work for and it just sounds like a really big soupy mess that kind of buries what makes the original song so good. Right. Um, I, I think in general, I've heard a few different jam band or, or Grateful Dead specific guitar players with orchestra i know uh warren haynes did i've heard terrapin but i know it was a full show they didn't just mm-hmm. do terrapin um and of course well, terrapin Trans makes does... sense
0: with an orchestra that, that's yeah, a absolutely. very yeah that's
1: the thing you have to be a little that's a picky big song about the songs you know i wouldn't put bertha or truckin with the orchestra but yeah me and Cassidy my uncle. would work yeah, exactly. You know, I love would my work. beloved El Paso,
0: but I don't yeah. need
1: to hear three French horns at a part two El Paso.
0: <laughs> I mean, you want to, but... I mean, yeah, don't to.
1: get me wrong. I would yeah. listen to it. I, 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 would, I would hear it out of curiosity, but I don't know if I would like it.
0: Yeah, no, I hear that. You know, it's interesting what Bobby's doing, too, in this context, because it seems like the Wolf Bros, and maybe less so with this incarnation of the Wolf Bros, but... um. If, you know initially it was very stripped down and it was you know kind of back to the basics and then i guess he has this other impulse to kind of you know beef it up and, and and make it classical and make it you know something something different so yeah these are shows that that would interest me uh if they were local i'd definitely go see them if they were streamed i'd definitely stream them um and if bobby ever gets to putting together something i'd definitely download it or you know take a take a listen. Cool. So let's move on to this week's show. Once again, this is June twenty fourth, 1984, at SPOC, which is the Saratoga Performing Arts Center uh, in upstate New York. Um, uh, Bobby uh, forgets at one point where exactly he is. Uh, He knows that he's in upstate New York, Uh, but we'll get to that. Set one starts off with Danson. Uh, First time that they played Danson since 1981. So that's kind of cool to bust that one out. Dire Wolf, Minglewood, into Candyman, we got Me and My Uncle into Mexicali Blues, and then Ramble On, and then we get a Bucket Deal Closer for set one. Nam, what did you think?
1: Fun. Uh, I'm going to say from the jump, there's a couple of things that stand out in pretty much every song, so I'm going to say them now so I don't have to repeat them. Pretty much every song is fast. Like, real yeah. fast.
0: Yeah, I said um, that this one was brought to you by the letter C.
1: I w- at one point during me and my uncle, I wrote down. I know we normally beat around the bush here, but this is a coked up me and my uncle. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, Cherry's we don't need to boys, hold the
0: uh, audience's hand anymore about no, what, we, what we mean by that.
1: <laughs> no, the the Grateful Dead did drugs sometimes. Uh, yeah, drug This is one of those nights. Yeah. Um, the other big thing that stands out to me is Jerry's voice is rough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This doesn't mean every Jerry's is... Possibly song from the is, drugs. I, I would say almost certainly from the drugs. <laughs> I,
0: I would also say Bobby's voice is rough tonight, too, uh, just to add to I, that. I, I thought Bobby's
1: voice was pretty fine in set one, but I, I agree in set two, Bobby's voice gets similarly shot uh, yeah. to, to Possibly Jerry's from voice. the drugs. I would, I would guess it's a mix of the drugs and whatever's screeching noises were being made during hell in a bucket. (laughs) I would say about 50-50 those two factors. Interesting. Anyway, uh, more specifically song by song, uh, the dancing in the streets was okay. It, It makes sense that this was the first one played in a few years. I found the underscoring to be working for me. Brent was bringing some nice key licks. There was some really driving drum stuff, especially when Mickey started playing with the ride cymbal. The harmonies are rough (laughs) at the top of the song, but at no point do they get good. Um, Yeah. But overall, I would say the dancing works more than it doesn't in that they play instrumental more than they sing. Uh, A chipper dire wolf... Uh, I would say that this one gets so close to working for me, but it just doesn't quite. It's just a little too fast for me. Mm -hmm. It's not a great vocal from Jerry, he forgets Mm -hmm. some words. It's a little bit sloppy at times. Every time I start rooting for it, something loses me. I think this set really starts clicking with New Minglewood. The build-up was really fun, The, the... It was just working for me. It was a good Jerry solo. Uh, Billy was was adding some nice stuff. I loved the the upstate Phillies start looking good. Yep, always will love a, a Brent B three solo, and that sounded really nice. Mm-hmm. I... And then Bobby starts playing his slide solo. And if he kept it to two repetitions mm-hmm. of the chord progression, I would say it was a really good Bobby slide solo. And yeah, then, when damn he was it, Bobby. He takes a third one, and that's when it stops working. He starts playing that note, and oh, <laughs> man. But luckily, Jerry gives us another nice solo right, uh, right towards the end. I would, I would say this new Manglewood, even with some of those high screechy notes, is a highlight of this set. Especially T right here and wherever this is. Yeah.
0: He knew that he was in upstate New York. Yes. He didn't know exactly that's, where. I mean, that's a he big he was, chunk of the... He knew he there.
1: was upstate somewhere. I don't yeah. know if he knew it was New York. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was... they were all kind of in the cosmos. Uh, yes. This oh, night, probably.
1: Um, this was a nice Candyman. I, I liked it. It's fast, but the band was still giving it. It's all... Uh, despite the tempo, it was able to be quite sensitive. Uh, the last verse is probably the best Jerry vocal performance you're going to get this whole night. Jerry powers through the the gruff in his voice to get some really nice howls and you can hear it from the crowd reaction it's just good. It works for me. Um the the cowboy pairing again, it's coked up. Uh it the me and my uncle works for me. The Mexicali starts to get on my nerves. It gets a little happy, happy, joy, joy, and I I just don't want to hear it anymore. But it is worth listening to for a a pretty nice keyboard solo from Brent. Um, Ramble on, Jerry's playing is as sharp as ever, but again, his voice just starts to bug me. It's it's not going to be a favorite by any stretch. Uh, A fast bucket... But it's still really tight. It probably has the closest thing we get to a jam in this this first set, otherwise, yeah. it's just a lot of passing around solos. but they get some cool some cool energy during that jam
2: mm-hmm.
1: And then Bobby starts screeching towards the end and it and it and it starts to kill my vibe. but overall, it it's a really good bucket. I would put this bucket again as a, a highlight in the set. <laughs> Uh, a really nice shuffle groove to the Deal to bring it home. Again, Brent's on the B3, What's Not to Love. Well, okay, I know what's not to love. It's Jerry singing. But uh, <laughs> a really fun solo. Uh, it doesn't hit the, the walking on air levels of of effortlessly awesome that Deal hits in the late 80s, but it's still a really good Deal. The vocal breakdown at the end is a lot of fun. Uh, it's definitely a, a stronger end to this set than a start, in my opinion. But what did you think, Fig?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, mostly I agree with you, um, Stalker. Thank you. This one, to me, was a tale of two sources. And what I mean by sources is that if you go in the archive, you, know, you can find the soundboard, and usually Charlie Miller has worked his magic on the soundboard. Um, or you can find an audience recording, and those are of varying quality. I, it, I initially what what I look for is a matrix where someone actually takes the Miller soundboard, usually the Miller soundboard, and and kind of mi- mixes it up um, with an audience recording, and kind of gets gives you a holistic feeling um, about what the show was all about, right? Because the odds are great, because you, you really get a sense of the, um, how, you know, what it was like to be there on that night, right? So. <sighs> I, this is a tale of two sources because the first time I listened to the first set, I listened on the soundboard. The second time that I listened, I listened to a, a very listenable odd. And game, if you are listening, I would totally suggest that we um, feature uh, the audience recording because. And I've said, I mentioned this before. You know, f- if nothing else, Brent sounds the way Brent is supposed to sound, and by mm-hmm. that I mean. The textures that he he's creating work when they're blasted out into the audience, and you hear echo and you hear feedback and you know everything that's happening within the hall. When you hear it on a soundboard, it's just you know his machine making electronic impulses going into the soundboard, being placed onto tape, and we listen to it later. It doesn't have the same feel; doesn't have the same richness to it. So, <laughs> suffice to say, my reaction to the first set. Uh, is going to be kind of uh, schizophrenic in a way where I have kind of you know two different two differing thoughts. So, "Dancing" um, was the first song they played, and this was the Martha and the Vandellas version, as opposed to really what the Dead were doing in the late '70s, which was much more of a uh, disco feel to, to a yeah. song, classic song. I wrote that it was very no. Um, I did. I was not picking up what they were putting down for the first song. I was like, why did they dust this one off? It sounds awful. And then I listened yeah. to the odd. And it actually sounded really good, and everyone was was dancing, everyone was having fun, and the band sounded so much better. And just you know, I, I felt like I was present, and I kind of got what they were doing a lot better um, when listening to the audience recording. Direwolf, I wrote it was pretty not good, however, it was better when I listened to it on the audience recording. I had a good swing feel. Jerry's voice isn't great, which is a theme of the night, uh, but he actually really tried, which I appreciated. And throughout Direwolf. Um. Yeah, it wasn't well played, but the fans were going nuts, and that was enough for me. Yeah. New Minglewood Blues, I agree, this is when things started kind of selling down, getting better in the first set. Jerry had a decent solo. Um, I just started calling um, Brent King in my notes here. So King had a great manic solo. Um. Bobby had an awful solo, right? So he, he started, I guess, the first 16 bars, or how many bars, yeah. down playing low. And then the last 16 bars were just like, i don't even i i I don't rate it as music it like it didn't sound like music it it sounded like he didn't know what he was doing and i just you know and, and this is a theme throughout decades of of what Bobby is doing on slides I just don't get it i I really just don't get it um maybe. Of-
1: another grateful dead lyric it is very much the sound of street cats making love
0: yes um yeah but i don't want to be awoken to that sound no no um but then you know what was kind of cool was that i guess there was like a third solo bit where it was jerry and bobby and they were kind of soloing almost together and mm-hmm. you've caught it like maybe comping and and maybe that's what was happening but um that actually caught my ear and i thought that it was pretty good and then yeah i thought it was really funny that Bobby was able to situate himself that he was in upstate New York, but then he says it's two right here, wherever it is. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're in Saratoga, but like, you know, you have a general sense of where you are. You know, that's the state of mind that the band was in. We have a general sense of what we're doing up here. Um, we get Candyman. Um, one of the cool things about the Miller soundboard was you could hear the band playing and kind of playing with the audience between songs. Um, uh Brent does the charge organ sound to kind of like get everybody up and he did it in a couple different keys going up um up the uh, I guess the the keyboard which is kind of cool. Um he had some great harmonies throughout Brent did. I thought it was really yeah. well played and really well sung. I actually liked the tempo of Candy I think it was a bit faster than normal um as mm-hmm. everything was in the show. Um me and my uncle in a Mexicali things were really cooking for that one. Um there was an explosion sound uh, I think at yeah. the end of Uncle what do we think and that was well, I wrote that it was something or perhaps someone exploded,
2: <laughs> um,
0: because I'll tell you what the the audience was really getting off on on the band, and it was really cool to hear. So, I, you know, I think it was probably Mickey exploding, literally a firework or something like that, which happens uh, from time to time. I, he's kind of in my mind, he's like the prankster. He'll he'll do something like that. Um Rambone Rose. I thought this was a really good version. I, I wrote that it was well sung by Jerry, uh, even though the oh. first few songs weren't stellar. Yeah. Um, because, again, I think he was trying, right? Like, he didn't have the greatest yeah. voice that night, but, but, like, he was really making it, you know, he was trying to make it work for everybody, it's which was appreciated.
1: 80s Jerry being rough vocally is very different from 90s Jerry being rough vocally, because, like you say, 80s Jerry is always trying, yeah. Even on the nights where the, the vocal cords are shot and, and nothing good is coming out, he's still giving it his all, and it makes right. some songs, like the ballads in set two, to, to show sure. my opinions really shine.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. Uh, where in the 90s, he's you know reading off a teleprompter, and, and, it's, and yeah, you're lucky if he through.
1: knows he's in the room.
0: Yeah. Um, Not all. I mean, I I actually think there's some awesome stuff in the 90s, as we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but on the bad nights, It's just the
1: difference between his off nights on the two decades.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we get into Hell in a Bucket. I thought this one had great energy. Um, We got some weird Bobby laryngitis voice at the end. I did not like the way his voice was sounding at the end. Um, But he and Jerry had some great interplay, especially in the extended instrumental section. I wouldn't call it a jam. It was just kind of you know, kind of riffing on the on the same idea. Um, yeah. But it was fun, great energy, good speed. And Deal was a great closer. Um, and Jerry was just ripping throughout all of Deal. So we will hop into set two, starts off with Miracle, uh, and then into Bertha. I th- thought, I don't know why they didn't start with Bertha. But anyway, um, <laughs> then we go into playing China Doll, into Samson, into Drums and Space. We get to the other one. There's a Warfrat into Sugar Mags. And then as an encore, the, they did the classic rock that really rocks routine, and they played Satisfaction into um, It's All Over Now, baby, Blue. So, Nob, I'm tired of hearing myself talk, so I'm going to kick it back over to you. What are your thoughts on set Thank
1: two? You. Yeah, Thank you. Um, I, I can't tell... Okay, I think I like set two more than set one. More songs stand out in set one to me, but I think that's because... There's a baseline of quality in set two that's higher than the baseline of quality in set one. Um Miracle is a it's a fun start. It's pl- there's tight playing, but this is the first song that it becomes clear to me that Bobby's voice is also shot, which really makes for an interesting set two dynamic. Um a quick and I'll say impressive transition into a, a zippy bertha. That'd I wouldn't be... call it a yeah, oh, definitely. A I went book. with Bobby. <laughs> ah, and that's why there's two of us on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, I wouldn't call this an all-timer Bertha by any stretch, but the solos were a lot of fun. The The band was playing it really well. Uh, fast playing in the band. I know that's true of everything, but wow, it is fast. Bobby's voice is showing some wear. Uh, I, again, I think it's a mix of the drugs and the bucket screeching. Um, the jam is, is one of my favorite parts of this show. Uh, despite being fast, they start off really quiet, which is very nice. You get some high bass stuff from Phil, which is very pretty. The jam, occasionally, because of its speed, trips over its own feet, but more than often, or more often than not, it soars, and even when it trips, it, it quickly recovers and finds some new stuff. It's a really cool, really weird jam with a very nice transition into China Doll. Uh, a very well played China Doll. A lot of emotion from the band. Jerry's solo's great. Again, it's not his prettiest vocal tone, but that kind of works for a song as desperate as China Doll. This one, it didn't bug me anywhere near as much. Uh, a nice drummer led transition into Samson's, which was cool. Uh, Brent's organ stuff is a lot of fun. Uh, again, the sung bits with Bobby are hit or miss, but damn, there is some great energy in the jam. Uh, I like the transition into drums. It was very smooth. In general, there's very smooth transitions in this second set. Uh, again, not a life-changing drums, but a cool one. Uh, some pitched percussion, which is always fun to make some, some weird and different sounds. Uh, a freaky, freaky space with a very smooth transition into the other one. Mm-hmm. It. Genuinely took me about a minute and a half to realize we had switched songs. Um, Good energy to this, the other one. Really enjoyed that. Warfrat is definitely a highlight of the set for me. A really pretty transition. This is probably the only song tonight that I would say has an appropriate tempo. uh, And it, it feels just right. The harmonies are great, the ending jam was really fun. Weir was throwing in a little licks that kind of reminded me of the other one. It was a nice time. Uh, Sugar Mag, same thing that I feel in general. It's fast. Uh, Jerry's guitar gets a little buried in the mix, but it's still a lot of fun. Bobby's voice is shot. Um, Satisfaction Baby Blue was an interesting encore pairing. It was a fairly faithful Satisfaction. I it didn't really feel mm-hmm. like they were doing anything that the Rolling Stones themselves would not have done to Satisfaction.
0: Mm-hmm. Or um, that you couldn't have heard on the radio on the way yes. to the venue.
1: Yes, exactly. If you <laughs> if the band was not on stage and they just played Satisfaction over the loudspeakers, I don't know if it would be that different of an experience.
0: Yeah, would um, be an organist.
1: Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh I'm going to be honest, kind of a rough transition into Baby Blue, because it seems like no one's quite sure what song they want to do next. But once the mm-hmm. Baby Blue gets in, it's pretty fun, and I think it's a nice way to send everybody home. Um, yeah, I liked the second set. Um, what about you? What did you think?
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Usually, the dynamic... Th- with our opinions, is you know, we agree on 90% of things, but there's 10% we don't agree on. I actually agree yeah. probably with you on 95%, maybe 100% of, of, of what you said here in, in wow. set two. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, I, again, I would have liked to he- have heard Bertha as the set two opener. Um, but they decided to go with Miracle, and I'm not sure if that was the right idea, but um, it is what it is. Uh, it was an okay version, um, with a lovely transition into Bertha, which I called a boppy Bertha, so we disagree. You mm-hmm. went with Zippy, I went with Boppy. That's just that's what makes us different. Right there. That's the 5% right there. And and that's what this podcast is all about, Zippy versus Boppy. Um, <laughs> Bertha, you get a blistering Jerry solo, so not to be missed. And yeah, playing in the band was fast, fast, fast. Um a really dynamic instrumental section for how fast it was. Some really aggressive bobby comping. He kind of really was just moving things along with with his, I think his tone was aggressive, like maybe a little bit overdriven for what he was doing. And maybe it was wear on the neck he was playing Um, was uh, different to my ears too. But that was kind of cool. And China, a, a great choice, probably the best choice of the night. Uh, I love the tone that Brent was getting. There was a great interplay between Jerry and Brent throughout. And at first, I wrote down that I was really enjoying Jerry's vocals, and then I realized that what I was actually enjoying was Brent's harmonies to Jerry's vocals, rounding it yes. out, making it making it less, you know, uh, intense or maybe um, I don't know, hard to listen to, like you know, uh, evening it out perhaps. Uh, but China uh, China was great. Uh, China Doll. And we get into Samson, or as our co host, the game would say, Samson, which was a fun version, a great energy, um, and actually a really good, another good choice after trying it all. Uh, Again, the letter C is involved in this entire night and Mm -hmm. it's it's coming out with Samson too. Um, Drums in Space, I didn't listen to it too much. Uh, I do agree with you that, you know, so space transitions into the other one, and I think. You know, because you and I listen to different sources, I think different sources would tag when the other one starts differently because space and the other one are essentially the same song. So this Mm -hmm. should be drum space, other one, essentially. Like, there's really no difference. Um, But once the the other one, you know, proper gets going, it is some explosive energy. Really a highlight of the show. Almost sounded like Primal Dead, to be honest with you. Um, But a a very cool version. And we get into Warfrat. Uh, It was a decent version. The thing that you need to look out for, and I don't know if it came through on the soundboard, but Nob if you do have, you know, ten minutes after you know we talk, I would go back and look at the odd because Jerry, you could hear his echo bouncing from yes, the stage you that the back. You could, oh, it was amazing. It was so cool to hear. Um, so I'm glad that came through. But that was that was a real highlight, um, just to hear two Jerry's essentially yeah. you know, and there's so much like space in, in, in that song. There's so much uh uh space for something like that to come through which was really cool and it was a good sugar mags um you know a really good way to round out that second set and then satisfaction to baby blue um i felt the transition between satisfaction and baby blue i thought they were going to go to this would be the last time Uh, this would that's what it
1: sounded like
0: yeah and then went to baby blue i like baby blue um and i like jerry singing baby blue the very you know, his his emotive voice really shines in that. Uh, satisfaction didn't really do that much to me. Honestly, the song in general doesn't do that much. I think that might yeah. be... I don't know, what, what, is, what are your thoughts about Satisfaction? It's a huge song in the history of rock and roll. I I, I, have, I have my reservations about it. What do you think?
1: It's, I, I understand what it does historically, uh, and I can't take that away from it. It's not my favorite Rolling Stones song. It's not yeah. my favorite Rolling Stones song that sounds like that. Um, I'm always going to be a, a Jumpin' Jack Flash person,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that, to me, does what Satisfaction does, but a little bit better. But, again, you know, that, that riff is so a iconic riff, yeah. that it's I, I, at I, this I, point less of a song to me and more of a, an idea, a concept, a moment in history.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm not going to expound upon that, because I do agree with <laughs> that. Uh, but, yeah, and we get the Grateful Dead playing it, and Probably a big reason that they played it is because Gary wanted to play that riff. Maybe yeah. it's Bobby. I don't know who played it. To be honest with you,
1: I don't know. They did that a lot in in the right before the Coma period of the eighties. There's a, yeah. a, a Satisfaction from I think it's the show before the Coma. Maybe it's two shows, but it's right before the Coma. And uh, Bob goes around and introduces all of the band during Satisfaction, which is really just weird and not what they do. <laughs> and then. Jerry goes up yeah, to the mic weird. to introduce Bob, and it's the most energy I've ever heard Jerry talk on stage. He just goes up to the mic and goes, ladies and gentlemen, my best friend in the whole wide world, Mr. Bob Weir! And the crowd goes nuts. And you it's said just that? such a, Jerry. Wow. It's just so bizarre. I'll send you the link after this. I highly recommend giving it a listen. Very cool. weird satisfaction.
0: Yeah, I'll check that out. That is, That is, it sounds very weird. All right. So, we just reviewed 62484 and as we do, we will ask whether or not this one enters our book of the dead, which are the highlights of the of the year. We do this uh, every week and every week's a new show. It's a random show. We don't get to choose. It's like Mystery Science 3000 for grateful dead dorks. So, Nob, would uh this show enter your book of the dead?
1: Uh no. I it wouldn't. The, you know, it was well played and you know, I like that plan in the band a lot. There's a couple of songs that do it for me, but just with the voices sounding the way they are, I can't imagine this being a show I go back to regularly or yeah.
0: at all. Yeah, and I would agree with that. <laughs> I would agree with that. I mean, it w- it was worth a listen. I'm glad we did, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I think the audience will get something out of it uh, when we, you know, because r- right after we're done speaking, we'll put on either set one or set two for the listeners, and I think that the audience will get something out of it as well um but it would not make my book of the dead and i'm going to guess for game that it's not either i do oh, know which set, set he likes and i do know who his mvp is actually i don't know but he's he sent it to me and um actually i'm going to open up the uh the dm right now Ooh. so it's it's almost like he's with us um <laughs> the game he says set 2 and i would agree with him i'm also Mom.
1: team set 2 um Again, there are some songs in set one, you know, the new Minglewood was great, Uh, really fun bucket into deal, but yeah, in terms of general quality, set two over set one.
0: Yes, and we are all in agreement, so after the speaking portion of the podcast, we will be uh, attaching set two of June 24th, 1984, at Spock in Saratoga, New York. So stay tuned for that. The last little segment that we have is, who is your MVP? I will go for game, because he told me that it was Jerry. And he gave me a because, because China Doll was awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, I'm up next. I will go with the king. Not Elvis, but King Brent. Yeah, I
2: was... Struggling
1: to figure out who my MVP was. Uh, Jerry had some great moments, but again, with the voice, I don't know if I could in good conscience call him my MVP of the night. Grant was also a good option because he, I would say, probably annoyed me the least out of uh, some of the league. I mean, you know, there wasn't much wrong with Phil, but with the mix I had, it's hard to hear Phil on a lot of those tunes. Mm -hmm. I would honestly probably give it to Billy. And this, you know, is a nice callback to my thought earlier about how yeah. drummers make jam bands work. But I thought this was a really good night for Billy. And the drums kept all of these songs, even at their roughest, from Diane
0: yeah, I agree. ok. so we we are not in agreement as to who the MVP of the night was, but we are in agreement about which set. So yeah. oh, we have we do have another segment. I forgot. We got a bunch of Reddit comments about this one. Um so the weekly thread, the weekly random thread is uh uh you know, posted onto the Grateful Dead subreddit, uh, Reddit.com slash R slash Grateful Dead. And I have a moderator of the Grateful Dead, so I can place I can sticky it right there at the top. So if you want to see what we're doing wow. with that bug. portion, I know. That, wow, a little humble break. Um <laughs> it gets me nowhere in life aside from yeah, 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 this. Yeah. So you know, you, you gotta talk it up when you can. Uh, But if you want to follow the thread about what we're doing, it's right there on the subreddit. And so people can listen, and they can comment. And so some nights, some weeks, we don't get any comments. Some weeks, we get a ton of comments. And um, I'll go with the first one. And then, Nob, you can go with the long one. And then we'll just kind of trade off and on like that. So user 091882, who I think has commented before. So thank you for that. Um, wrote uh, kind of a pithy statement, Disaster Jerry at his finest. Yeah. It's kind of a cool way to, think, to talk about it. And why don't you go ahead with the next one up.
1: Sure. Uh, user TJF3 uh, wrote, This is a great show with a musical thread that continues to this day. I had just graduated from University of Georgia and was on the tour, Toronto to Alpine Valley, 14 shows in 10 venues, nice. with my girlfriend and two friends from school. Horace, and his roommate, Dave. You think those are made-up
0: names, names?
1: Um, well, I know Dave is real, because uh-huh. I know where this story is going. Alright, Horace but,
0: kind of tripped me up. like.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, yeah. But some people are named Horace, I believe.
0: Probably. Some people are named Dave, perhaps. Yeah,
1: yeah. I believe that there are Daves there's in this there's world. There's Daves out there. <laughs> uh, Dave was part of an incredible circle of musical and creative friends we had in Athens and was trying to get a gig as a bass player in a band. A couple of weeks earlier, I'd taken him to Abbott's Pizza to see my buddy John J.B. Bell play Thursday afternoon solo set. When J.B. took a break, he came over to our table and Dave looked and said, Man, you need a band. And then we went on tour. At that Saratoga show, we were lysurgically grooving as the unusual opening to the second set unfolded. When the plane and the band jam descended into that dark, blue-light stage, Dave turned to me and threw an arm around me. That's what I want to do, he said, nodding at the stage. That's nice. what I want to do for the rest of my life. I believe you can, I answered. You can do it. Why the hell not? And when the tour was over, Dave schools called John Bell, and they started jamming with a couple other buddies, Mike Hauser and Todd Nance, in February of 1985, they played a house party, and Widespread Panic was born. But Dave knows, as do I, that he called his destiny that night at Saratoga. We both felt, we both knew it, so it
0: goes. Awesome comment.
1: Yeah, I always I... think it's cool. I love hearing stories about the, the, the current generation of, of jam bands seeing the older generation like that. Um, it's just yeah. neat to to know that it's... it's always a conversation this music that we love it's not none of this is made in a vacuum it's uh it's this tradition that goes on many years before us will go on many years after us and it's just neat seeing the chain like that
0: yeah and it's always you know everyone has a story about how they got on the bus so it's cool to hear anybody's story but especially someone uh you know who eventually went on to you know, continue the, the legacy of, of the jam yeah. band scene and widespread Drag panic. So, the
1: zone, as it were.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like self-seeding. It's it's uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I can only, I'm left to wonder what happened to Horace. Yes. Kind of drops <laughs> out of the whole story, but uh, maybe that's for another night. Okay, so I will continue. Uh, great story, Nob. Thank you. Well read. Um, CJed11, uh, he said that it rained like a bastard at that show, but it was a good time.
1: Which, I'm going to say, makes it especially funny that of all the lyrics in Bertha, Jerry fucks up, ran into a rainstorm. I, <laughs> I know that's the reason they played it. I, you know, it's just funny to me.
0: And they didn't play Looks Like Rain.
1: No, no Looks Like Rain, no Cold Rain and Snow. Just a Bertha. You want to go with the last one? Oh, yes. Uh, final comment from and Dumont. Why not? Born and raised in Saratoga. Crazy to read about a Spock show from 84, two years before I was born.
0: So, I would say that it's not that crazy, because we know that they play Spock. I mean, at yeah. least Dead & Company plays every summer. Um, it's true. I think I this...
1: have, I'm looking at the poster in my room from this past year's cancelled Spock show. Uh, ah, yeah.
0: It's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because of, uh, there was a passing, BMA-ers. right? Man, uh, not
1: right. a passing, just, just oh, a, a health concern, yeah. Okay, yeah, the rumor was uh, the passing, that's right. Yes, and then it very quickly became, hey, please stop saying that he passed, he's <laughs> still kicking. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: I... But I will say, you know, wherever you grew up has a significance to you, so hearing The Grateful yes. Dead, and if Game was here, we would talk about Central Pennsylvania. Um, when the dead played on City Island, which is like you know where our minor league ball team plays, and it's just kind of crazy to think about. Uh, but yeah, you know, other people are just Jersey like, Yeah, whatever.
1: Capital, whenever I see a show at the the Jersey Capital Theater, yeah. I'm always like, no, no, no. That's it, Yeah, that's our Capital Theater. Wow, that's the cap.
0: They never played there. <laughs> um, All right, so this is a weekly show, so that was, um, you know, so we just talked about the current week's show, let's talk about next week's show. We get one from 83, so we're Mm -hmm. going back in time, uh, I guess a a year, we're just jumping back from 84 here to 83, and this is in uh, Maine, uh, the great state of Maine. It starts off with a Jack Straw, we get into a Friend of the Devil, uh, all over now. Oh, this is going to be fun, we uh, have a Lazy Lightning supplication there in the first set. Um, yeah,
1: this is a nice mix of, of deep cuts and fan favorites, especially in that first set.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Sugar Re is like 17 minutes long, so it would be interesting yeah. to see what the heck they're doing there. Uh, we get a Spanish jam after drums. So, um, yeah. I and mean, once you know it, they end with U.S. Blues. So that is the next week's show, which we will report back to you after we listen to it uh, in a week. So we are going to wrap up. I want everybody, if you like what we're doing, to please smash the subscribe button, like and share with your, all your friends and family and anybody who might be interested in the Grateful Dead or what we're do- doing here. You can find us wherever podcasts are downloaded, but not, not ones that root, loosely rhyme with Connected.ify um, uh, as, as that particular podcasting company uh, gave us the axe and uh, I mean, you will not so be able to find us there.
2: Yeah.
1: They so, think we're just some dumb hicks. They, they said think- that to us at a dinner.
0: Um, they, uh, they think we're DJs, which I've never been called a DJ before in my life, but that was the official reason that we can't be on their uh, platform. Uh, but you can find us on the Podbean platform at uh, helponthewaypod.podbean.com. If you have any thoughts or you know, comments or suggestions, or uh, even if you want to. Um, something disparaging. You can email us at help on the waypod at gmail.com. Uh, again, you can see us on the Grateful Dead subreddit, reddit.com slash R slash Grateful Dead. And I'm not going to plug his G- his Twitch channel because he's not here tonight. No, uh, nah, any f- any parting words? Um Yeah, a big shout out to T right
1: here and wherever this is.
0: Uh yeah, so that was that was my parting words too. So I'm just going to say oh, goodbye Sorry, everybody. I
2: we